Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. What's up, everybody? It's Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tim Leonard alongside Jonathan Hoppy here. Till 10 a.m. this morning, a lot to break down. Obviously, the big news this week, O'Shea Brissett staying in the NBA draft is going to kiss his Syracuse career goodbye after his sophomore year. And it was a weird one, Hot, because obviously once he entered the draft, we all thought, oh, it's kind of unlikely that he would stay in that process. But as we got further along, it just kind of felt inevitable that this day was going to come. I guess that's just how these things work, because it seems like lately... That's exactly how they've worked. And for O'Shea Brissett, no one thought he was going to leave. Everybody thought he was going to come back. And then, I don't know about you, but a few weeks after he left, I started to talk to some people and get the feeling like he might actually go. Right. It was just building steam over. And it was just his performance in the Combine from the G League Combine earned him a spot in the NBA Combine. And he just kept hearing positive reports and positive reports about his shooting, which is really concerning and odd to hear based on what he did this year from beyond the arc. And all that chatter here in Syracuse, that's what set the stage for that draft combine because when he was there with the G League, he shined. And now let's not forget, this is a guy that scouts are going to like on paper with his size, with his length, his versatility on defense, this, that, and the third. So then when he comes out there and shoots the ball really well at the combine in front of everybody with the pressure on – That's what turned everybody's heads, and that's why he is not going to be a Syracuse Orange next year. Yeah, we're going to talk to Wes Moore coming up on the show in a little bit. He is a scout that was the guy who made some news this past week by tweeting about O'Shea Brissett, the guy that said that he shined in the combine is now probably a late first, early second round pick, which surprised a lot of people. So it'll be interesting to get his thoughts on Brissett, Quincy Garrier, who he watches a lot being a Canadian scout and following his game closely, and we'll talk to him a little bit later on. We've got you till 10 a.m. this morning. We're all over the web. We've got our podcast. You can check that out on the Apple Podcast app. Also follow us on SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow us at OrangeFizz on Twitter and at OrangeFizz.net with all our written content. But O'Shea Brissett, it was an up-and-down career, and, and it really is, I guess, kind of fitting that the nature of how he got to where he is now was up and down because you look back on this past year and it really couldn't have gone much worse from a Syracuse perspective. When you factor in that usually when a guy leaves and goes to the NBA draft, well, you usually get to reap the rewards a little bit and take advantage of him while his time was there. But as we know, that wasn't the case with Brissett in his sophomore year. He was good in his freshman year, but in his sophomore year, we had high expectations for him here in Syracuse. He didn't live up to that billing and it wasn't like he used his play in his sophomore year to springboard to the NBA draft. It was actually after the fact is when he gained steam. Well, his sophomore year was a huge letdown, and that's the thing that people remember. He was good in that tournament Sweet 16 run. He was really good. Tyus Battle hit maybe the bigger shots, but Brissett was there. He was on the boards. There's no run without him. Absolutely not. He was everything that Syracuse needed him to be, and then you come back for the 2018-19 season, and he's a flop. But remember how good he was to start the year. In the preseason, the first couple of games, he was taking it to the rack. And everyone said, 
wow, this is going to expand his game, this is going to make him really good, then that just went away. He couldn't shoot, couldn't drive, couldn't do much of anything offensively, and that's why fans are so surprised to see him go to the draft. But you got to look at his talent, his stock at the next level. It's pretty high for the reasons I've already mentioned. That's why the scouts like him, and frankly, I think he's better fit for the NBA. Yeah, you hear a lot about people comparing him to a 3-and-D guy, and I think you touched on it earlier, but this just proves the NBA is just looking after potential. I mean, that's what we see with Brissett. That's what they're noticing. They know it's a guy that's got a pretty good shooting stroke. It maybe is not great percentages-wise. He's inconsistent overall in his game, but they like his frame. They like how he tested. The body fat was great. Everything was great from a measurable standpoint, and you look at his frame— it's the modern NBA build. I mean, you could see him, a player of that stature, that size, that quickness, fitting in with the Warriors and how the modern NBA looks. Brissett certainly seems like more of a man-to-man defender, too, yeah. as opposed to the zone. Not to mention offensively, it seems like the Orange have gone to this isolation-type ball with Tyus Battle. That's not Brissett's game. Brissett needs to be given open looks. He needs to be running around the perimeter. That's the biggest complaint with Syracuse over the past few years, is that it's just isolation. There's no movement to the offense, and he can't really create his own shot that well, or at least he didn't last year, and when he did, they just didn't go in. So there are a lot of things about him playing at Syracuse that really didn't work out very well. Yeah, I think it disguised the fact, and you hear this a lot with scouts now, based on what they saw in the combine they said he proved that he can play off the ball he can score off the ball and you didn't see that at Syracuse because it's all iso ball it was Tyus Battle driving if he couldn't penetrate he'd give it to O'Shea and he tried to do some iso stuff and I do think he just got in his own head a little bit midway through that sophomore year he stopped shooting the three basically entirely once it got to ACC play and we know Everyone was complaining. He was probably hearing some of the critics. Oh, he can't finish at the rim. Where is his shooting gone? Why is he missing all these free throws? But you see it since he shifted away from Syracuse. And I don't really know what that says about their offense right now, but doesn't really say a whole lot of good when you factor in that he's showing off all these skills that we didn't think he had when he was at the school. Not a great look. No. It's really not. But keep in mind, a scout's job is literally to take a prospect sort of not look at what he did in college and sort of see how that would fit in the NBA, which is why I think people are high on him. Because let's be honest, if you're a GM, you look at O'Shea Brissett just standing in line with the other recruits or prospects, rather, and you want him on your team just based on his size, and then you can see his potential out on the court. It's not hard to think why he'd be a late first-round pick. I still think he goes early second round. But in that area, if he's a late first-round pick... Must have been one heck of a combine, and all reports say it was. (laughs) Right, and it's weird because you compare him to Tyus Battle, who's obviously not getting many looks right now, not projected to get drafted by most measures, and didn't get a combine invite, this, that, and the rest. And, you know, if you watch Syracuse all year last year, and Battle had some ups and downs too, but he was the guy. He was a much better player objectively than O'Shea Brissett, game in and game out, consistency-wise, everything. But, again, that's not what the NBA is looking at. They're not looking at a guy that dominated in college. They're looking at a guy that has the potential and has the build, and O'Shea definitely has that. And now you wonder, does he find sort of a role in the NBA down the road? I don't think he ever becomes a starter per se, but, I mean, maybe he does because he's a 3-and-D guy, and if his three-point shot keeps improving, he's got a place in the NBA, I think. 
A starter for me is a stretch, but yet again, I'm one of those guys that we spoke of that has sat here and watched basically every minute of O'Shea Brissett for the past two years. So you got to take that with a grain of salt. These are people that haven't watched him and haven't looked at him from the Syracuse perspective. I still think a starter is a stretch. Just based on what he's done, I think best chance for him is to be a role player. And I'm not talking sixth man. You know, I'm talking seventh or eighth guy off the bench. Because think about how many talented college players have gone to the league and just sort of disappeared. I mean, even a guy like Tyler Lydon, okay, that's a good comparison. Right. Goes to the Nuggets. He's relevant. He's been hurt a little bit on and off. Yeah. But it's not like he's close to the sixth or seventh. He's He's kind of in a log jam there. Right. He's more eight, nine, ten, which is where I see Brissett. But when you compare those two just off the top of your head, who has more upside? Probably Brissett, but, I mean, that's based on watching Leiden some and seeing how right. he's panned out. I mean, I look at Brissett, I think of maybe it's because of the Syracuse thing, but Jeremy Grant at the Thunder, that's best-case scenario for O'Shea Brissett. Right. He's kind of a 3-and-D guy. I know Grant was a little more liked while he was at Syracuse and everything, but that skill set is what Brissett could maybe get to one day. And even Grant, I mean, he's reached a ceiling. He's making a lot of money. He's in a comfortable spot with a very good team. But he's no more than your fourth or fifth option on that team, and he never will surpass that. And that's a shame what you just said. He was a little bit more liked than O'Shea Brissett. I get why Brissett wasn't that liked in his second season. I think it was just because fans were so frustrated. People don't like inconsistency. No, They want to know what they're getting. They want to walk into the Carrier Dome and say, all right, I'm going to get 15 and 10 from that guy. Right. And that was not the But the case. thing is, his numbers kind of backed that up. I mean, his freshman year, he was 15 and 9. His numbers were still solid his sophomore year, but it's just all relative. It's based on expectations at that point. You think he, he would get better, and it just didn't happen. And at so many times, he could not take over the game, which that's not his game to begin with. But fans were searching for him to provide a spark to this Syracuse offense that at so many times has looked so bad, and he has not been able to do it. Battle did it a couple of times. Both of those players are gone. So kind of closes a chapter here for Syracuse basketball with Battle and Brissett gone, not back for next season. It feels like just the other day we had five players, five starters coming back on a Sweet 16 team, and now it's one of those guys remaining, Dolajai, who might not even start next year. Well, you know, they say bad teams are good. (laughs) <laughs> teams that are supposed to be bad or good, teams that are supposed to be good are bad. So if you haven't heard that enough from now, you'll hear it a lot until November, and we'll just have to see. All right, well, coming up, we'll chat with Wes Moore. He was a former NBA scout, was all over the O'Shea Brissett news. We'll talk to him about O'Shea Brissett's future and also Quincy Garrier's game. That's going to be interesting. You don't want to go anywhere. It's Fizz Radio, and it rolls on right after this. All right, back on Fizz Radio, Tim Leonard now joined alongside Wes Brown, who's a writer for NBAProspects.com. You can find him on Twitter at Wes Blair Brown. Wes, thanks so much for joining us. You made some news with your Twitter page this week in regards to O'Shea Brissett and how he performed at the Combine. You said that he was now projected, based on what NBA scouts are telling you, to be a late first, early second round pick, which is Quite the rise for Brissett. We now know he is officially staying in the NBA draft, but what specifically did those NBA scouts tell you in regards to his game that allowed him to make that kind of a rise? Well, I think the number one thing was 
he showed he could play without the ball, he could spread the floor, and most of all, he could shoot. I don't think they realized the level that he could shoot at. So, you know, they have shooting drills, but also in-game. Uh, they said he was doing a great job just spreading the floor and knocking down shots. Obviously, he did well enough from the G League Combine to make it to the NBA Combine. Uh, so, so that was the number one thing, his shooting. It's interesting because, obviously, his sophomore year, his shooting numbers were a little bit down. He kind of shied away from the three-point shot a little bit later on, but, you know, that's always been there. We've always seen flashes with Brissett. As someone who is doing your job now covering NBA prospects and also was an NBA scout back in the day, what would you say is his NBA ceiling at this point? Well, I think he'll be a role player. He could be a starter because of his length, his versatility on defense. I mean, he tested, I think, at 6'8", with a seven foot plus wingspan. Um, so I don't know if he'll ever be more than a role player. You know, he showed flashes, like you said. He showed flashes of being able to score from all three levels uh, at Syracuse, but never really did it consistently. And I don't think he added actual specific role of, all right, you're going to come out here and do this and this. And that was a bit of the issue. Whereas now I, uh, I think I see that if he can spread the floor, defend, switch a lot, uh, just hit just hit, hit shots that are open and, and not have to play with the ball or anything, that, that's how he projects to the next level. Would you say that's his biggest question mark right now is his shooting? Is that what NBA scouts are looking at for him to kind of prove? Well, I think they were really impressed with his shooting last week, and, and maybe that's no longer the biggest issue. I think the number one thing was that he shot such a low percentage at Syracuse, and the question is why. I mean, I watched a lot of their games, and sometimes it looked like he could really shoot and was making good decisions, but he was never consistent, obviously, and that was always the knock on him. Um, so I think teams are most worried about his motor and uh, knowing his role, kind of. But the shot, I think, is less of a question mark and more so uh can you fill a role that's defined and not try to do anything outside of it? Can you consistently give me the effort that we're looking for? So if his ceiling one day is maybe a starter down the road, I know a lot of people have kind of compared him as sort of a 3 and D guy right now, but where do you see him in five years' time? Yeah, no, I don't think he'll ever be more than that. Again, the, the inconsistency issue, uh, and, and you saw it, Syracuse, not knowing who exactly he was uh, really hurt him and really hurt his shooting, obviously. Uh, So I think in a much more defined role, he can succeed. And, you know, we'll go from there. I would say he'll probably be a 3 and D guy for his career, which is a great thing to be. Every team needs those guys. Uh, They're usually hard workers. So, you know, if he can improve, be more consistent defensively, I think that's who he is. Talking with Wes Brown here. You can follow him on Twitter at Wes Blair Brown, a former NBA scout that now writes for NBAProspects.com. So we now know Brissett's gone and kind of shifting gears to next year for Syracuse. You follow a lot and you have your feet in the Canadian camp a lot. And obviously a guy that's coming in next year, Quincy Garrier to Syracuse, is drawing a lot of comparisons to Brissett simply because they are both Canadian prospects. I saw on your website you have him as the number one Canadian recruit, I'm assuming that's through sort of an NBA lens, but how does his game compare to Brissett's? Yeah, just so you know, I actually run the top Canadian scouting service. Uh, so I've already pretty much helped teams at every level from NCAA to NBA, Europe, 
learn about the Canadian guys. Um, so like you said, if you go on my website, nbaprospects.com, you'll see Gary is the number one guy. He's got great size for a wing. He's a really good shooter, creates his own shot well. Uh, he's just a pure scorer. So he's not really like Brissett, who I think projects as more of a 3 and D guy without the ball. I think Garrier succeeds much more with the ball and will handle more of a Tyus Battle type role uh, next year and I would think would be one of their leading scorers. So would you say that his, I mean, obviously he's got a couple less inches than Brissett, but when yeah. he was coming out of school, Brissett was, that is, how did, who was better in your eyes from watching both of them, Garrier or Brissett? Well, the thing is, I'm much more uh, comfortable saying Brissett fits better because Brissett is a better athlete, Brissett is longer, and Brissett doesn't need the ball to succeed. Right. Whereas Garrier does. Garrier is a scorer that creates his own shot with the ball and uh, doesn't really space the floor yet. Uh, Garrier is a much better shooter. So, you know, you could project Garrier as a stretch three uh, shooter, but. Uh, I would say Gary are much more skilled, but uh, uh, O'Shea fits the role a little more. And then from an NBA perspective, what would be the question marks around Gary? Is it more defensively because you mentioned all his offensive attributes? Yeah, the, the, the question would be, is he a good enough shooter to play off ball and, and stretch the floor at an NBA rate? Uh, because he's probably not going to be one of those guys that has the ball in his hands consistently. Uh, again, he, he's a great scorer, but he needs the ball to succeed. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if he's going to be that guy at that level. I don't know if he's athletic enough to be that guy. Uh, defensively, too, yeah, he, he's not an elite athlete. He's a good athlete, uh, but he's more of a basketball player that, you know, has good footwork to create his own shot and, you know, takes long strides. He's strong with the ball, but, but, you know, again, not an elite athlete. So the question for him would probably be athleticism and can he fit a role that's less than what he's used to playing. He's not ranked on ESPN's 100 right now, and obviously that was the same way with Brissett. Being a Canadian guy, you don't get as many looks. He's 115 on 247sports.com in that 2019 class, but if he was a United States guy that got a little more eyeballs on him, where do you think he'd fall in a ballpark range for the ESPN 100? Probably in the top 30. Really? Um, for ESPN, they only rank the guys playing in the U.S., so uh, they don't put any of the Canadian guys in. Um, but uh, 24-7 sports, I mean, look, they had, none of them have gotten a good enough look at any of these guys probably, and there probably aren't many that have seen the comparison. Uh, for me, having seen a lot of the American guys, I can tell you Gary or Fitz in terms of size, shooting, scoring. I mean, there's there's no way at any level in the U.S. someone could stop him. He, he would be scoring everywhere. So I would think he'd be a top 30 guy, probably somewhere in the 20s. And obviously a lot of this depends on sort of what his role is next year with Syracuse and whether Jim Beheim gives him some breathing room a little bit or not, but would you say he has a chance of going one and done based on him being kind of in that top 30 range for you? Yeah, I would think he can go one and done if he starts right away and, and scores the way I think he can. Uh, I think uh, I think he'll be one and done. 
Cool. Well, Quincy Guerrier, a lot to look forward to with him. In regards to Tyus Battle, before we let you go here, he's obviously still kind of going through that draft process right now after finishing up his junior year. What have you heard in regards to him from NBA scouts, and do you think he has a chance of getting drafted at this point? Yeah, I think he has a chance of getting drafted. Um, look, he's got great size for the position. He's a combo guard. You know what? He's probably six six. He's a good athlete. He's a downhill attacker. Again, the problem with him is can he play without the ball? He always played as a primary ball handler, even though he's not really a true point guard at uh, at Syracuse. So we'll have to see if he can learn to play without the ball and stretch the floor because there's no way they're going to give him those opportunities. I mean, he showed his shot selection need, needed improvement. He shot okay from three, but... Uh, there's a lot of room for improvement, and I think a lot of that comes from decision-making more so than his actual shooting ability. So, you know, because of his size, I think a team might take a chance on him late in the second round, and there's a chance that he ends up making it. Uh, there's a lot of bigger guards that can succeed if they, you know, have a smaller defined role, but we'll see if he can figure that out and shoot well enough in some of the workouts that someone takes a chance on him. All right, that's Wes Brown. You can follow him on Twitter at Wes Blair Brown and also read all his stuff on NBAProspects.com. Wes, thanks so much for taking some time. Thank you. I appreciate it. Coming up on Fizz Radio, Jonathan Hoppy and I break down next year's team, life after O'Shea Brissett, and look into what could maybe be the starting lineup next year. That's all up next after this short break. Halfway home here on Fizz Radio, Tim Leonard back alongside Jonathan Hoppy. If you just missed our interview with Wes Brown, be sure to check that out at our Twitter page, Orange Fizz. Also check out all our content, orangefizz.net. And it was interesting what Wes said there in regards to Quincy Garrier's game. Obviously, he is someone that has watched him more than most, being kind of a Canadian-based scout. He's got a recruiting service that's number one in terms of Canadian recruiting service that everyone across the country and really internationally uses. And he said Garrier's game, really not that much like O'Shea Brissett, despite what people have been saying. Obviously, it's a lazy comparison, but we've heard it based on their size, their frame, and they're both Canadian guys, kind of unknown at this stage of their career, at least where Brissett was. He was a little bit unknown going into his freshman year as well. But Garrier is more of an offensive-minded guy, and Based on what we've been talking about about Syracuse's offense, ISO ball dominant, they've been struggling to find scores, he could be a guy that could come in and score right away from them next year. And that's good stuff from Wes. He knows his stuff, especially about the Canadians. And he's got me a little bit excited about yeah. Garrier, just based on the offensive potential, because, like you said, a little bit different players. And Syracuse needs somebody that's going to come in and grab the rock, especially with Tyus Battle gone. So you think about the offensive threats, Joe Girard third, Buddy Hughes. Bayheim, Elijah Hughes is going to lead the way. But which one of those guys can step up? So when you lose Battle in Brissette, there's more ball to go around. Right. So that's good news to get a guy like Garrier that's going to demand more of that ball because it's really going to be a fight between Bayheim, Gerard, Hughes, Garrier yeah. to get the ball from Hughes because right. Hughes is the guy. Right? And I still think we, I mean, as great as Elijah Hughes was, and I'm very excited to see what he does next year, and I really think he could be an all-ACC guy next year. There's still, I mean, we can't assume that he can be that number one guy until we see it. I think you still need to He passed to the see eye that. test he in year the one, test certainly. This year. Right. 
and sitting on the bench after transferring from ECU. Took his time there. Last year, paid his dues a little bit, knew his place on the team, exploded at times, didn't hold anything back, but wasn't the guy. Now he's the guy. And yeah, so if and these, he's got to be the guy. If these freshmen can come in and Buddy Beheim can take a next step, I think the offense looks better. Right, and that's what's so interesting about next year is there's still, even with Brissett leaving, there's 10, 11 guys that are going to play probably major minutes, all the way down to Jesse Edwards, who's the most recent commit in this class for Syracuse. There's five freshmen coming in. Garrier maybe is the headliner, but it just depends on who you ask on who can be that guy day one to step up. And I think the easy thing that is kind of the easy easy takeaway from Brissett leaving is they lose rebounding and they lose size. And now you kind of have a decision with your starting lineup and what is your go-to lineup down the stretch because you've got a guy like Dolajai who's played some center, and it's kind of been like a last resort because Sidibe and Chukwu aren't giving you the type of minutes you want. Now you just have Sidibe, Chukwu gone. But if Dolajai is your center, I mean, you probably can't have Garrier and Hughes out there as your wings because then you're just not getting really any rebounds against a UNC or a Duke. So it's that's the conundrum now. Almost no size. Right. How much size are you willing to forfeit for three-point shooting and Garrier or Hughes or even Dolajai brings you more three-point shooting than a Sidibe? And almost defense for offense. Right. Because Barama Sidibe, he's shown very, very few bright spots over the past couple of seasons. And a lot of that's his knee injury. And who knows? So you can't expect him to be a full go and ready to roll. If he is, maybe he shows us something that we haven't seen well, right now, I think Marek Dolajai is a much more attractive person to start at the five over Sidibe. Yeah. And even if Sidibe does start, I don't think anyone believes he's going to see more minutes than Dolajai at the five. I mean, that's just my hunch right now. People, you know, like to give Pascal Chuku some heat now and then, but he was pretty solid at times at the center he's position. he's a presence down there. I he's mean, a presence. He's going to block shots. He's going to scare some shots. He on paper, that. rim protection looks pretty tough next year. Right. And especially because, as you said, you just don't know what you're getting with Sidibe. You don't know what his health's going to be. I know he had the surgery over a year ago now, and the tendonitis seemed to get maybe slightly better last year. But, I mean, who knows? And he's really your only true center. I guess you can factor in Jesse Edwards, but... I mean, talk about a mystery. That's Jesse Edwards at right. this point. Coming from the Netherlands, played very minimal playing time against some serious competition. And, you know, people seem to really like him based on what they've seen. But we know how freshmen operate in the 2-3 zone. It takes some time, especially under Jim Beheim, And that's what's going to be curious because there's five freshmen coming in that all have question marks, whether it's Garrier, who's from Canada, which just gets less eyeballs on him. Gerard, obviously, the Class B jump, that's a polarizing topic in and of itself. So there's so many question marks on next year's team. We're talking about the front court, but it's really the back court that we knew had to be replaced, and that's also a question mark, too. You're losing Howard in battle. That was your staple for the past years. This whole two team's years. a question mark. Yeah. That's but the bottom line. Maybe that's a good thing. It, maybe that is a good thing. And one thing I've been thinking about a lot is sometime when you form teams, and you form a core, just doesn't really work. And I know it's tough to say that because this team made a Sweet 16 run right. with the core at Battle and Brissett. But think about if they hadn't made that Sweet 16 run. It would have been 
a pretty weak stretch here. Right. Really weak. Well, you're playing that whole game of <laughs> it's it's the what it's the offseason. Don't tell what Jim else that. I mean, they, they made the Sweet Sixteen. <laughs> right. It's it's one of the however well, the five many best years. One of the however <laughs> many best years yeah. in Syracuse. But that's the way I look at it as to say, all right, that core is gone, which might not be a bad thing, considering what we saw offensively. Losing battle is tough, but at the same time, it opens up a lot of the court. So I yeah. think Brissett coming back with Hughes, don't get me wrong, I'd love for Brissett to be playing on this team next year. Everyone would. That would have been awesome. I think it would have worked really well with battle out of the picture, Hughes and Brissett to fight for the ball, gives you some size. That looks good on paper. Yeah. So my thing is, I think you losing Brissett hurts a lot for the non-conference in the early portion because... As much as you say there's not, it's not going to stick with that one guy, you still kind of need those alpha dogs to step up. And I think in the non-conference portion with this offense, it's going to be a lot of passing around and everyone waiting for someone else to make a play happen or just waiting for that identity. Hughes is a guy, but... He's the alpha dog. He's the alpha dog, but outside of him, I mean, what are we going to see from Jalen Carey? Can Buddy blossom into more than just a spot-up shooter? All these question marks, so... I think non-conference-wise and early goings, that's when you're really going to miss Brissett. But once we figure out, okay, maybe it's Garrier who says, I can compete in ACC play. I deserve minutes. Maybe it's Gerard. Who knows who it is? Once you kind of get that identity, I don't think losing Brissett changes a ton in terms of long-term value. I think this all depends on Elijah Hughes. Is he more than a shooter? I think so. Yeah, I saw I his game last year to think he's more than just a shooter. So if he can show off that versatility, I'm not too concerned if Buddy Beheim is going to be more than a shooter. Right. Keep him outside. Keep <laughs> yeah. him on the perimeter. It Fire last it up. Jalen Carey, is he going to be able to drive to the rack effectively? We don't expect him to shoot the ball that minimize much. Minimize turnovers, I too. think he knows his role. That's what I'll say about Jalen Carey. From what I've seen... I'm excited to see him as the starting point guard. I think that's right. I mean, that's the answer to He's that. He's got problem. as much talent as anyone on this team, and I do think one of the pros with next year's team is we could see, and it feels like we said this for the past three or four years, but we could see a Syracuse team that has legitimate three-point shooting from top to bottom, like really solid three-point shooters. I mean, you got Bayheim. Sure. Even Robert Braswell has proven that he can shoot the three. I well, haven't even mentioned Battle him. and Brissett, they're not knocked down. Right. So, so you, you don't take lose them out much. and you gain some Howard shooters. was iffy. He was okay. He got on some hot stretches. What are you at talking times. about? Did you watch the Duke game in the ACC tournament? <laughs> That's true. But oh, wait, then he didn't play in the NCAA yes, tournament. Sore subject. Okay. Still haven't gotten over that one, yeah. Frank. But people forget. You go down the line. I mean, Goodine can shoot. He's a freshman. We don't know the extent of his playing time, but Garrier can shoot. All these guys have three-point potential. Even Dolajai was shooting right around 38% last year. For this team to be really good, one of the freshmen is going to have to be really good. Yeah, and, and I'm I think talking that's Garrier. in the conversation for ACC Freshman of the Year. I'm talking really? way up there for this team to be. Really good. I mean, keep in mind what really good entails. Yeah. That means consistently in the top 20, top 15. One of the freshmen is going to have to be big time because if you don't have a big time freshman, you're looking at Hughes and Bayheim and Carey to carry. I mean, they need help. It's been a while since they've been consistently in the top right. four or five in the AC. I mean, it's been since 2013. Right. So that's how I overdue. view this team right now. I, I see it as, you know, a team that. Could be about at the same level that they were last year, 
and a team that could be a lot worse and a lot better. It's a cop-out answer, but right. at this point with all the freshmen, I mean, you talk about question marks. That's what a freshman is. And this a is also, mark. we haven't even mentioned, this is such an inexperienced team next year. when you, There's no seniors on the roster. So there are a lot of question marks next year, but it makes for a fun team to discuss during the offseason. Oh, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Here we are in May. When does basketball start? Virginia yeah, comes, right? Early November, October. Oh, late sorry. October. Yep. There's a uh, preseason game uh, late October, but right. I think we're going to get to that. Virginia's in the like November 2nd. That's going to be weird. I, I don't know how the freshmen are going to handle that stage right <laughs> oh, out of no. the gate, but it is cool. Upset alert. <laughs> a little bit of hype, maybe 30K in the dome for the, the true opener. All right, let's wrap things up with Fizz feedback on the other side. Keep it locked right here. Putting the finishing touches on Fizz Radio here. Time for Fizz Feedback. Put out a couple polls on our Twitter page. And let's get right into it. Tim Leonard, Jonathan Hoppy here with you. First poll we had, who should replace O'Shea Brissett in the starting lineup next year? We said Quincy Garrier is an option, Robert Braswell, and Marek Dolzhai. Those were the three options. Also other, which garnered a whopping 0% of the vote. Oh, don't tell me the rest. Let me (laughs) guess the rest. Well, okay, go for it. I have not seen the results. No, you haven't. It's so, Quincy Garrier, Robert Braswell, Marek Dolzhai to replace Brissett in the starting lineup next year. I'm going to say recency bias with this whole Garrier thing sort of coming to fruition right now. And Wes Brown, pretty high on him. Yeah. I'm going to say... Everyone's high on him. I'm going to say Garrier's leading the way. He is leading the way. You want to venture a guess at the percentage? Ding, ding, ding. 50. 54. Not bad. All right. You got a second place? It's pretty obvious. Between Dolajai and Braswell? Yeah, I'd say Dolajai. Yeah, Dolajai, 36%. I got nervous there. I thought I was going to disagree with Fizz Nation on what you called an obvious <laughs> choice. Right, 10% for Braswell. So 54 for Garrier leading the way. I, the thing is, I don't think he's really going to replace his spot, per se, because he's two inches shorter, and I don't see him playing that power forward role. He can't really guard a four, I don't think. He just doesn't have the same amount of size. As much as people want to compare, two inches is a big difference in the game of basketball. So I don't think he's going to really like fill into Brissett's four spot, but I do think his chances of getting in the starting lineup went way up. And out of those three guys, if you were to phrase it as who gets the most playing time or more playing time to fill in O'Shea's minutes, I'd go Garrier too. Just because I know it's recency bias with the hype, but he's an offensive guy and they need offense now with Brissett gone. Well, another option, too, Garrier could just fall in the freshman doghouse. <laughs> That's always an option. We haven't Jim talked Bayheim. about that, but that could right. happen. I mean, look at Jalen Carey. He was a top 40 guy on ESPN, was far and away the best recruit last year. Buddy Beheim played way more minutes than him. Even Robert Braswell played the same amount of minutes as Carey last year. So you never really know with the freshman doghouse always looming. The second question we had on Fizz Feedback this week where is O'Shea Brissett in five years? NBA role player, that's option A. Option B, NBA starter. G League is option three. And then option D, playing overseas. You want to guess the vote on this one? You yeah, I'm going to say you. Fizz Nation went overseas. Yes, they did go overseas. <laughs> pretty pretty strong. Well, 47%. Let us know how the travel is. Yeah. Actually, we got one funny response. And anytime you comment on us, feel free because we'll shout you out here on the score 1260. At Russ Williams 3 RW is his Twitter handle. I'd like to point out that even though I voted playing overseas, 
That's 1,000 times better than any job I'll have, and God bless the guy for chasing a dream. Way to put it in perspective. I agree Basketball overseas is not that you make bad a lot of, of a money. deal. Yeah, right. It's not NBA money, but NBA money is getting bigger and bigger by the day. So if you're playing overseas, that's not that bad of a deal. I think Brissett is going to be an NBA player for probably the next four years, a fringe player. Let's put it this way. Who has a better first three or four years, Malachi Richardson or O'Shea Brissett, in the NBA, that is? I've always thought the recency bias with Malachi was right. a little high. However, I like his game a lot, so I, I'm going to lean with him. I mean, he's he's done okay. I mean, he's yeah. not done anything crazy, but he's not going overseas anytime soon. No, I mean, he's not on Bayheim's army or anything yet. No, no. <laughs> he's he, doing fine. Shout out John Gillen. You know, he's, yeah. he's, he's, he's representing <laughs> well, like, and uh, like he'll, Russ he'll go down says, in history. John Gillen's still got a way cooler job than you and I will ever have. I mean, Well, there's... sure. Well, depends how you look at it. Oh, but. okay. <laughs> I guess you got loftier dreams than me, but I like covering a 500 basketball team in the ACC. Yes, <laughs> I know you love it. You always get up for it every year. There's nothing like watching ISO ball just crash and burn against the likes of Duke and UNC. I can't. Hey, what are wait you talking about? It. They beat Duke at Cameron. Right, right. No, I mean there's there's always pros. There's always little things that keep us coming back with Syracuse basketball. At least that's how it's been the past four or five years. But I don't know. I mean, I I don't see him being out of the league in four or five years. He's going to get drafted, I think, so that gives you some leeway with teams. If they spend a draft pick on you, they're putting some money into you. I Like I said, his ceiling, and this is what Wes Brown touched on in the interview, his ceiling is probably best-case scenario a starter, and that's like the stars align for him. His ceiling is probably like a Jeremy Grant. So I have him probably in the role-player range. Role-player got 33% of the vote. NBA starter, just 7%, which is probably fair. And then G League is at 11% right now of the vote. I I don't really think he'd be in the G League because in five years' time, if you're falling in the G League, you're probably just going overseas. Well, let's see where he gets drafted. Because to me, that's going to say a lot. If he gets drafted in the first round, I'd say in five years, he's still in the NBA. If he gets drafted in the second round, there's more pressure on him to produce and if so, if he doesn't, he could fall to the G League and opt to go overseas. Because right. second-round pick, money's not guaranteed. And that's the thing with Leiden and Richardson, some of these guys we've mentioned, they were first-round picks. And, you know, the more I look into it and the more you keep hearing all this buzz, it's easy to say, oh, he'll be a first or early second-round pick. And I guess it only takes one team that is after him and likes him really to make that make his pick worthwhile or, or slot into where his pick is. But – I kind of envision him as like a mid-second-round guy. I don't know. I think it's easy to consume the hype right now, being around Syracuse and all that. On the outside, looking in, this is a guy who went from no one was on, no one was watching him. He wasn't even getting an invite to the combine until a couple weeks ago. So you can't pick up that much traction in my eyes to get to the first round. But maybe all the hype is coming nationally. I mean, he is skyrocketing on the boards. That's what makes me think. Heck, he could be a first-round pick. Right. The way these people are talking about him. Before we get out of here, let's look at the schedule a little bit. Upcoming game. Now, Pat Beeline, this is just a report. Stephen Fonte, News Channel 9, says a game could happen with Niagara. And you look at Greg Paulus. He's an assistant on that staff. Late December. That would be intriguing. Right now, the first exhibition against Damon College, October 26th. Sure or false that you heard 
of that school. False. Before, yeah, me too. False. Never I actually was worried before I said it if it was Damien or Damon, but it could be. I, mean, it, I think it's Damon because it's A E before the men, so it's got to be Damon. That's a guaranteed. Um, Syracuse puts up like sixty-five points, and people are hollering for. I mean, that's a panic game. I don't know. They exhibition. looked great in the exhibition season last year. <laughs> I guess. So there if those, that one if those things really transfer. Struggled. But, but so that's going on, and you've also got the Big Red. They're coming back to the Carrier Dome. That's a November game. So that's pretty much where they things stand right now out. for the schedule. You think so? November 20th in the Carrier Dome. That's kind of what the schedule looks like right now. Some exciting games, of course, Syracuse, Georgetown. That's been renewed coming up December 14th. So the non-con is looking decent. It's looking yeah. pretty intriguing. We'll see who well, they get the in the Barclays Big Ten Challenge. Tournament. Right, you've got probably Penn State and Oklahoma State. So some intriguing things, certainly. Haven't played in Barclays in a few years. You remember the last time they did, they lost to South Carolina. <laughs> now Gamecocks went on to the Final, Final Four that year, yeah. so, you know, bump <laughs> right. the brakes. But at the time, it did not look good. Yeah, I remember that year because that was the first true test they had against South Carolina. And then it was like, Oh, okay. Maybe this team's not that and good. Then, after oh yeah, all. Frankie Martin took them all the way to Phoenix. <laughs> well, they got that. Uh, they played Duke in their home court, basically. They're in Greenville. That helps. Yeah, but no. I mean, I think when you look at it, this year's team, it falls into the team that was two years ago. And I know we kind of bought in on them because they had lower expectations, and that can usually be a good thing. Certainly seems like that's the direction we're going down, but still a lot of questions to be answered. Good news is we've got a lot of time to talk about it. Yeah, I think that's enough talk about basketball and a 500 basketball team this week. All football next week. We will dive in, and we've got you covered all offseason long here on Orange Fizz. Keep it locked on our podcast apps and everything of that nature. But thanks for joining us this week. For Jonathan Hoppy. I'm Tim Leonard. Catch us next week, 9 to 10, on the Score 1260.